Hello, everybody. You're listening to Amplify the Arts, a place for artists and art lovers of all kinds to gather, hear stories, and be inspired to amplify the arts in their own lives. I'm Sarah Dudnitz, a pageant girl, communication specialist, and all-around artsy-fartsy kid, and I am so happy that you're here. Before we dive into it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of your screen right now and share it on your Instagram story, tagging us at Amplify the Arts so that we can thank you and keep in touch with you there. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Amplify the Arts. I'm excited to be back with my good friend, Amanda. Uh, We've been planning this episode, wanting to do this episode for months, (laughs) and I'm finally getting around to it, so I apologize for the delay, but (laughs) here we are finally. Um, Amanda, do you want to just go ahead and tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Sure. My name's Amanda Partlow, and I am a music therapist, and that's what we're talking about today. Um, I'm from Michigan. I was born and raised in Flushing, which is near Flint on the other side of the state. And I've moved around a little bit in my life, Um, spent some time in Florida and spent some time in um, Virginia and um, doing various things and ended up back in Michigan, (laughs) back in the cold, snowy winters. Yay. Uh, Did you see yourself coming back to Michigan or were you like, get me out of here? That's a good question. I I don't know that I thought we'd be in Florida or Virginia forever, but I don't Mm. know that we tended to want to be back in cold, snowy Michigan. (laughs) But love it here. Love it here. So we're glad we're back. Um, So I went to school at Western Michigan University and got a Bachelor of Music in Music Therapy. And I did my internship in um, Virginia at a VA medical center, and I'm here in Michigan, back in Michigan after after moving around a little bit, doing music therapy at the Franciscan Life Process Center. Oh, awesome! So, what made you decide to go into music therapy? Was there like one experience that sort of kicked things off, or what was that like for you? Yeah, um, I always loved music. I have been musical pretty much since I was born. And I love sharing everything musical, but I never wanted to perform or do anything in, in that avenue. I didn't really want to teach. I just didn't see myself as a teacher. I um, So I struggled for a long time with what I wanted to do for a living. I, um, I liked music so much, but I didn't like the, the avenues that I could go in music. So there was a day I remember really specifically the moment I was 14 years old. I was a freshman in high school and I was in orchestra class. And a, my friend's sister just mentioned music therapy. And I just was like, light bulb moment. That's I didn't know. It's a real yeah. thing. Yeah. So I didn't even know what it was. I had no clue. But I was like, this sounds really promising. Yeah. So I started kind of looking into it and researching it. And my parents thought it was crazy. They're like, you can't get paid to do that. <laughs> There's no way. There, are there jobs in music therapy? <laughs> so they, yeah, they struggled with that for a long time, but they were really supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never looked back. That was it. I was, I, I, I love that. I know. I call myself really lucky because how many people, like, Yeah, I mean, no you idea. never, like, changed your major. You never, anything never like did. that? No, wow. never looked back. Yeah, I know. Well, that's really rare, and I feel super blessed yeah. to have had that. Do you feel like from the time that you decided you like from when you were 14 to now the idea of music therapy has become like more widely accepted because I do feel like there was sort of a misconception or like earlier on I feel like it was not near as popular as it is now absolutely yes and I still get that but I you're right I will say I have a lot more people where I will tell them what I do and they know what it is (laughs) they don't ask me the oh so you you play for sad musicians or (laughs) oh that's so nice you volunteer your time or what a beautiful ministry like no this is a full-time job (laughs) I get paid to do this I have a lot of training um (laughs) 
So it's, I know it's very few, not few and far between, but it's a lot decreased. I've been a music therapist for 15 years now. So from the time I started to now, it's decreased a lot and people are more understanding and accepting of what I do and and take it seriously, I guess. Good. I know at Grand Valley, I think they just started having like art therapy Mm. as a major. So that's really exciting. I'm sure that all of um, your sessions, like every day probably looks really, really different, but could you sort of... I mean, if someone were to ask you, yeah. what do you do every day? Or what does a normal day look yes. like for you? Yes. What so that's, of course, going to depend on the music therapist. But mm-hmm. um, my experience is a little different because I am a contract music therapist. So mm-hmm. I get to work. I'm out and about all the time. So we contract. I work at a center um, and I see clients there, but we get to contract with various places in the community. So for me, I get up in the morning and I usually get in my car and go somewhere. <laughs> so that could be um, I work at a center-based school a couple days a week. So I run um, small group sessions in the, the classes for kiddos with special needs. Um, and I work with uh, residents in nursing homes, so with Alzheimer's and dementia. And I work in hospice 14 hours a week. So with that, I'm driving all over the state. Not all over the state. That's a little bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> but I'm all, I feel like I'm all over the state. I, yeah. go, I go all the way to the, the lakeshore and we go in, you know, a couple hours north, a couple hours south sometimes. Not very often, thank goodness. Um, and I work with all sorts of people in hospice, all ages, which is wow. it's just really challenging but wonderful. And I also work with private clientele. So um, kids and adults who come to the center for mm-hmm. whatever whatever reason. Um, Many of our clients have something on the autism spectrum or physical disabilities or um, cognitive or speech impediments, but we're working using music to to help those people meet their their best abilities to get to Mm -hmm. their best place that they can. Oh my goodness. So you do a lot of different... I do. You're all over. And that's not necessarily common for a music therapist. It's wonderful. A lot of music therapists will work in one setting. So they might Mm -hmm. work just in a nursing home setting or just in hospice or just in a school. Do you like being able to do dabble in a little bit of everything? Yes, absolutely. I I worked in other settings where I was just with elders for a long time. And I Mm -hmm. love, love, love working with elders. But you kind of lose your skills in the other areas. Right, yeah. I feel like you get to hone a lot of different things. Do you have, I hate to say a favorite but like a certain age group that you like working with or a certain scenario or yeah. anything like that? Um, I don't know that I would say I have a, a favorite age group or scenario. Mm-hmm. It's more, it's really more person based where I might have a certain session that I really responded well to or a certain experience. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of really um, wonderful experiences with hospice care and a lot of really hard challenging experiences with hospice I can imagine, care. Yeah. yeah, I would probably say I um, generally am more comfortable with adults and elders because I've worked with them so much but mm-hmm. love working with kids too it's amazing oh <laughs> that's so great yes. Okay. yeah so in your sessions what are some of the ways that you've seen music therapy change lives yes um I'm gonna talk about a few different clients I won't use any names yeah. of course but um I wanted to share I had a hospice patient um and she was, she was fairly young. She was in her 70s, and mm-hmm. she had been with her husband for their, most of their adult lives. And they were just a beautiful, wonderful couple. And she had early onset Alzheimer's, um, and she had been living at home during the course of her disease. And her husband was her primary caregiver as that disease progressed. And they were just beautiful. She was mostly nonverbal when I met her. She was able to get out a few words here and there. And her husband was just losing her, um, losing that connection. And it was just really hard. He was wonderful. He was really funny and just really loved her so much. Um, but she just wasn't able to connect with him anymore. So mm-hmm. uh, my goal during music therapy was to try and create moments for him 
during the last stages of her life where he could connect with her. And we did. It was really amazing. We had some beautiful moments where she would just look at him or grab his hand and just smile. And he would he would often say to me after the session, she never looks at me like she does during music therapy. And it just uh, I I get teary even thinking about her because I worked with that family for probably two and a half years. She was on and off hospice care for a couple of years. And it was just, it was lovely, and you you really get to be a part of people's lives. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, I work with a lot of kids with special needs, mm-hmm. and I work both one-on-one and in a school setting. So going to the school that I go to, I do 25-minute sessions um, back-to-back all morning, so it's a really full morning. Uh, the kiddos um, are on... All, they're they're also um, multiply multiply impaired in many different ways, and they just express themselves so amazingly through music, mm-hmm. and they're just so full of joy. They really really touch my heart, and I get to see the side of these kids that I know the teachers don't always get to see in class because they're working on different things, and sometimes difficult behaviors come up. But in music, they just light up. So quite often during a session, I will come into a classroom that's full of chaos for whatever reason. Something happened. One of the kids had a seizure, or there was some kind of behavior happening, or Mm -hmm. the staff is just having a really rough time, and that can translate to the kids. Um, And quite often, I end my sessions sessions with some kind of sensory experience where we're listening and engaging in a more physical way with music, using um, mm-hmm. instruments that just kind of reflect that, whether it be quiet guitar, I use a lot of tone chimes or um, mm-hmm. metallophones or xylophones during those moments, and it's amazing to see the energy level change in the room, and quite often yeah. it's the staff energy changing, which in turn creates an energy change for the kiddos. Yeah. So I love, I just love that, like the, all those different areas that we get to, to meet those needs and change an atmosphere. Music can change an atmosphere. We all know music can change an atmosphere yeah. so quickly. So yeah. just oh that setting is amazing. Just I love, love those stories, especially the, the hospice story. Yes. Yeah. Hospice, you get to see so much and it's so hard, yeah. but so rewarding. Oh. I just love that. Yeah. I love that. Have you seen maybe like pre-COVID versus post, I guess we can't say post-COVID because it's still here, <laughs> but um, was there any change or have you seen people have a need for this more deeply or any sort of changes in people as they sort of process and deal with something like COVID? Or do you feel like it's affected your field or anything like that? Yeah, I definitely. Um, I don't work with a lot of people who are able to express that necessarily. A lot of my mm. clients just are not able to express themselves mm-hmm. um, in that way. But I, yes, I've noticed that um, kind of what I just touched on with the, the, the staff at the school. So I, I see that staff in the nursing homes, family members of hospice patients, and some hospice patients that are able to communicate that, yes, um, it's changed a little bit where um, I've always tried to work with the whole group of whoever's present for the session. Um, But it's definitely been a shift where I feel like I am trying to connect with the family just a little bit more Mm post COVID because they're struggling so much and still trying to care for their loved one. And I've had, I don't, um, for my private clients, I didn't used to have family members in the room with me during the sessions. I would work one-on-one with the the kids Um, post COVID because of COVID restrictions, I had to be six feet apart. So when we came back, well, came back, I use that term loosely, but after COVID, when we came back to in-person sessions, I had to have um, somebody in the room with me to help with the hand-over-hand things because I wasn't able oh, to touch right. the kiddos. Um, but now, I mean, restrictions have changed a little bit, but I have a couple sessions where I still have the family member in the room with me because they are benefiting from that interaction. Yeah. So, And I wouldn't necessarily, my mind wouldn't maybe not have gone there 
pre-COVID and now I'm like, right. oh, this, this, of the, sister of, yes, yeah. the sister of this client is benefiting so greatly from having these moments with her brother mm-hmm. where at home he has a really hard time and he has a lot of behaviors and she has to constantly be telling him no, but in music they're able to connect and smile mm-hmm. and laugh together. So it's beneficial in that way. So yes, definitely. I papers. love how cool it is that so when I think about like a music therapist, you think it's just for that one, that one patient, mm-hmm. that one person, but it's so cool that there's so many people oh, that yeah. can benefit from it. Yeah. On side. And just think of when you go somewhere and you hear the music changes or something comes on the radio and how it changes the atmosphere, mm-hmm. even going into, I go into a lot of nursing homes for hospice patients and there, there's so many times where I'll be in a session with a patient and we maybe you have the door open and I will turn around at the end of the session there's two or three residents sitting in the hall and a staff member singing mm. along so it's just it changes the atmosphere in the whole in the whole building sometimes yeah. which is so important right now when everybody's a little more down than normal absolutely there is just something and this is one of those things that like this is why I started a podcast I'm trying to put words to this feeling and this thing um like for instance I've sung at two funerals for my family mm. members and it's so hard because obviously it's like the hardest thing to do ever, but it means so much to people. And it's oh, one of the yeah. greatest honors. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's so interesting. And it's always been so interesting to me that in those in those darkest times, whether it's at a funeral or someone's on hospice, that's what we turn to yeah. is music. I just it's think it's the universal language. Oh. We can connect if we can't speak the same language. Music mm-hmm. can connect us in such beautiful ways. And I think that's why it's such an effective therapeutic tool. It's not yeah. threatening. It's something that 99.999% of the population enjoys in some capacity. Exactly, yeah. I've only had one person ever in my whole career and pre-career say, I don't really like music. One time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I was like, that's wow. very odd. And he was the, that was during my internship and he was the last person that's ever said that to me. So <laughs> like, there's not one like, song? Really? Nothing? <laughs> okay. Interesting. What did you do with that? Um, I didn't really, we didn't do music therapy. He was, he was in the um, VA that I worked in. So okay, I interacted yeah. with him in different yeah. ways and just talked to him and he would come to the group sometimes, but he just wasn't really we'll into find it. Like, That's for you. Yeah. yeah. It's not for everyone, I guess. It's definitely not. <laughs> um, I know that you have also written songs of your own before, um, I didn't, I should have started with this. I didn't even say this, but Amanda and I lead on a worship team together at our church. Um, and I've heard one of your songs before. Um, how has music sort of allowed you to heal and grow in your own life? Yes. I love that you asked this question because it, (laughs) it actually, um, makes me think a little bit because I, (laughs) as a music therapist, I don't use music for myself that much. Mm -hmm. And that's, I don't think that's really that uncommon in this profession. You're using yeah. music so much for other people, you kind of forget about yourself. Right, right. Um, so I've been trying to be more aware of that definitely lately. I um, The song you're talking about I used, I wrote um, after a really tough loss that I experienced um, last year. And I did use, I was I was standing back, I was like, how can I help myself heal from this? And I was like, mm-hmm. Amanda, you're a music therapist. How can you, how <laughs> you can help you use people music? every day. <laughs> let's, let's use some of the things you know. Yeah. Um, so I did um, write a song in a moment of really tough times, and it did help me heal um, to share that with other people. As hard as that was, I was mm-hmm. able to kind of process some of my own grief by sharing that with other people. And I... Um, I wish that I did it more, but I, I will say, I will say as much as I don't songwrite for my, I songwrite for other people all the time, but mm-hmm. I don't for myself, but I do use music for myself in, um, my times between sessions. I'm in the car a lot between hospice patients and I don't realize sometimes how much I really need to process like what just happened. 
So I, I may have been with a patient um, who's actively dying and the family surrounding them. And I am in the room trying to create an atmosphere of peace surrounding this really tough situation. And sometimes the family is very peaceful and other times they're very much not peaceful. Mm-hmm. And coming off of that, you, you get back to your car and you're drained in this way. You, don't, you can't even describe in words how mm-hmm. draining that is. And I've learned to use both music and silence. I, I was always been one to crank the music, crank the music, crank the music, and now I'm learning, like, the spaces between music are beautiful and musical as well. You start mm. being aware of your surroundings and your own breath and the silence and just the sounds outside in the car and just being with your own thoughts can be really, really therapeutic and rhythmic at the same time that you're mm-hmm. feeling your heartbeat, feeling yourself breathe, the just the chugging of the engine, the, you know, the sounds are really rhythmic and musical in their own way too. Yeah. So that's been really therapeutic and kind of a new thing for me in the last couple yeah. of years where... I'm using both, you know, worship music is healing for me, and then the silence between is Absolutely. very healing. Yeah. Well, I could see how, too, like, coming out of a session like that, it would be really tempting to just, like, don't think about it, turn up the music, yes. tune it out, yes. don't process. So it's really cool that you can lean into that and yes, make something good out of it. You have to process. I it's Sometimes you don't want to, you know, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's really hard. I'm like, what just happened? I know. Or, it's like, how do you even start sometimes? I don't know. And sometimes yeah. you don't, and you put it put it aside for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, but we all have those moments where you just need to sit and process what just happened. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like when you did start to share um, that song that you wrote, um, what was the response from people like? Did you have people who were like, oh, my gosh, I feel that same thing? And do you feel like that opening up and sharing that music with people? Like, what was that like? It was a really very hard. weird yeah. question. I know it's a good sense. question. Okay. I did. It was really hard. I um, music is creating music is so vulnerable. Absolutely, yeah. so vulnerable. I have my hats off to anybody who publishes music because. Mm-hmm. It's so personal. Well, maybe not all music. I, I know there's there's yeah, some, <laughs> a lot of songs out there maybe yeah. that aren't quite as personal as that. But <laughs> most music is personal mm-hmm. in, in some capacity. And to share that with others, you're really putting, you're bearing your soul and you're putting your heart on display. And people can be really judgy and harsh mm-hmm. because we don't, you don't realize, you know, that somebody's created and poured their heart into that. And you're not, people aren't meaning to be that way, but it can be really really hard to share that so I did share it with for specific reasons with specific people most Mm -hmm. of the songs that I have written I haven't shared with anybody or I've shared with just a select few except for that one and that was really nerve-wracking to share that with a large group of women so but yes I I had um, actually quite a few people respond following sharing that and saying I needed to hear that so badly Mm -hmm. and that made it worth it you know that people can relate to that and yeah. I I, ho- I know other musicians have had that experience, and it's so re- it makes it worth all the the harsh comments. I not that mm-hmm. I had any harsh comments with that particular song, <laughs> but I know musicians do. But to mm-hmm. if you can touch one person with something and they can relate to what you went through, I think yeah, that's incredibly yeah. healing. And just knowing that you're not alone, exactly and what you went through, I think is so cool. Yes. Um, how do you think day to day in anybody's life um, they can use sort of. Um, the skills or the principles sort of that you use every single day with your patients to heal in our own lives. Yes. Um, Whether you're under a music therapist or not, I think we can all agree music is super healing Mm -hmm. in so many different ways. So we use, like we all use music to express ourselves, whether we realize that or not. It's, Mm -hmm. it's based on, you know, the songs we listen to and the type of music and the genre. And I think we can examine like, how am I using music in my own life? And what does that mean for me? So have we ever 
we were stopped and pulled up the lyrics to a song on the radio that we really like. Why do I like this song? And reading the lyrics, you might not like it anymore. <laughs> you know, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Lyric analysis is a really cool exercise just to go through and be like, do I like this? Do I relate to these lyrics? Yeah. So often we look at a song and we like it for whatever reason. Usually it just catches our ear because of the beat or a melody line or the singer's mm-hmm. voice. But then you read the lyrics, you're like, this is not what I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> Which can be super therapeutic in itself. Yeah. And trying to discover, why do I like the music I like? Mm-hmm. What does that say about me? And I think um, so often we listen to certain types of music. Most people I know don't listen to just one genre of music. Mm-hmm. We have different different kinds of music. It's funny because almost every person that I ask going into a session, what kind of music do you like? Oh, everything, which we all know <laughs> is not true. And so I always joke with my 80-year-old hospice patients, oh, you like rap music? That's great. And then, oh, no, not that stuff. So, right. <laughs> but we all, I think, think we're really open-minded to music because I think most of us are. So. Mm-hmm. Why do I like that type of music? Or do I listen to a certain type of music when I'm sad, when I'm happy, when I'm excited? And then maybe really intellectually trying to pair some of that music with those feelings. So making note of, man, I like to listen to this song when I'm sad. So next time you're starting to feel sad, maybe you can use that song to help Mm -hmm. you pull yourself out of that a little quicker. That's so therapeutic. Do we use music to relax? Do we use silence to relax? Like, how are you actively using music in your life? And I, I talk to so many people when I when I go to, like, my first session with somebody, most often an elder or a hospice patient. Oh, I can't do that. I don't, I can't sing. I can't play music. Well, we're, we're we as humans are intrinsically rhythmic. Our mm-hmm. heartbeat, our circulatory system, our breath, everything is rhythmic about us. So, yes, you can. Yeah, yeah. And I always say make, make a joyful noise. It doesn't have to be pretty. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think we can all make music with others. I mean, how many of us tap our, our steering wheel when we're driving or mm-hmm. sing in the shower or in the kitchen while we're cooking and doing, can you find a way to do that with somebody else? You know, maybe you're, you're drumming or you're tapping your feet somewhere as you're walking or you're dancing through the malls. I don't know, but a way that we can, we can create music with other people is, is so, so healing. Yeah. So yeah, we don't have to be musically talented to, to use music in our own lives. I was going to say, do you feel like a lot of people are sort of that hesitant, like, oh, I don't sing, oh, I don't do that sort of thing. Because I feel like that's something, I always say, like, we need to take a page out of the book of children, because they just, yes. they sing, they dance, yes. they paint, they whatever, and there's no fear of failure, mm-hmm. there's no fear of being bad at it, um, and I've just always admired that. So is that something that you see? So much, and so much with adults. Mm. So the way music therapy sessions are designed in general, this is a really generic general rule, but we use music in the most non-threatening way. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm not going to come into a session with an adult who's suffering with anxiety and depression and have, and have them learn how to play the guitar. Necessarily. Mm-hmm. I might, depending on that, that right, person right. and that client. But we're going to start with something they cannot mess up, like mm-hmm. a tambourine or a xylophone that I've, I've pre arranged to notes that are going to be in tune no matter what they do Mm -hmm. so you start and then you find that joy within them of creating music so there's so many ways to use music where you don't have to be musical at all and you can create beautiful sounds I use tone chimes a lot which is if you're not familiar it's maybe you've seen a handbell choir at a church they're Mm -hmm. like handbells but they're in my opinion they're a little nicer sounding so you just get a few pre-tuned tone chimes in a certain key and you play them whenever you want to for a while and it creates this beautiful atmosphere and in that moment you've created success in this person because they're playing something beautiful and they start laughing because I don't know what I'm doing yes you do just it's fine it's great it's wonderful <laughs> listen to that beautiful sound yeah. you're and oh. it can create this lovely atmosphere where they were successful at something and made music in a group which is so mm-hmm. beautiful and wonderful so 
Yes, lots of people are, are a little standoffish. <laughs> a little hesitant to that. The kiddos are not. Never, never are. They grab something and just start playing. <laughs> They're a little too, little too forward. Yes. <laughs> never with music. It's always good. Oh. <laughs> as loud as they can. Um, is there anything else maybe that um, we didn't get to or that I forgot to ask you or that you wanted to mention before we wrap it up? Um, I actually, I did want to talk about... Um, heartbeat recordings, which I think is something really cool that people might be interested in. So um, often with hospice patients, um, something that's fairly new in the music therapy world is something called heartbeat recordings, where we take a um, a stethoscope and we've taken it apart and put a microphone inside of it. And then we attach it to our computer. And um, quite often I will go to a patient's bedside who is actively dying Mm -hmm. and I will have the family each um, take a little piece of the heartbeat and we get to listen back to that and then we create a song using that heartbeat as the rhythm so it's such a personal not it's not for everybody some people Mm -hmm. are like whoa I can't handle that yeah but it's something incredibly tangible um, that's a wonderful legacy for patients and I wanted to share one experience I had um, Mm -hmm. with a patient Um, this woman was she was just lovely (laughs) she was um, she's in her 90s and she lived with her son who was a musician and he had had a, a kind of strained relationship with his mom over the years but in the the last years of her life he was her caregiver and, and lived with her and took care of her so their relationship was healing and um, I did sessions with her where we were doing a lot of reminiscing and talking about her life but the son was always involved and engaged in the sessions and the process that organically began to happen is I would write down things that the mom was saying and then the son would share things and we created a song that the son and the mom had written and I just reorganized just a little bit and put to music and then I gave it to the son I said all right go to town with this and he changed it and made it his own with his own words and his mom's words and we used that as our heart song and I used his heartbeat and his mom's heartbeat in that so it was just this beautiful it was just such a beautiful experience and I just I get here thinking about that one too and he said something just really profound to me when after she had passed and I had shared that with him he said the last time those two hearts beat together like that was when I was in her womb. And so for him to go through that cycle of, he- I know, right? Oh my gosh. I know. That, that cycle oh of healing for him Absolutely. where he had not been the best son to her and he was able to have this experience and they were able to reconnect through this experience at the end and just come full circle. It was just like those moments I get to be a part of. I know. It's just, wow. it's so beautiful. And they happen so organically. You can't plan for it. It's just what happens and I love to I love to be but I get so much more out of my patients sometimes than I think they get yeah. from me because oh. they just give so much and they they share that I get to be a part of their lives and it's mm-hmm. just beautiful and I love to be able to use music that way it's so wonderful it's beautiful was she ever able to hear the song she did not I quite often um oh no I take that back I think he did share it with her before the whole thing was completed before she mm-hmm. had passed away um, but she did not hear the finished product. Mm, and that's, that quite often I don't do until after. And many families mm. are not even ready to hear that for months and months right, afterward yeah. because it can be really hard hard to hear. Yeah, but oh, it's but just still so beautiful. Thing. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, what a warm, fuzzy note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Amanda, thank you so yeah. much. Absolutely. Thank you.